Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. down there, I usually put my mask on, and I, I realized I'd forgotten one announcement that I was supposed to make. Brother Bob Baird has uh, secured several of these, these clear masks like this, and so uh, he wants to make them available to anyone who would like to have one of those. Just check with Brother Bob Baird, and he'll fix you up. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the, uh, the book of Matthew, the book of, of Matthew. And uh, we're going to begin in the, uh, the fifth chapter there. One of the most uh, well-known uh, sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, and of course Jesus teaching uh, the people. We'll look at uh, the first uh, several verses. And so if you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 and beginning at verse number 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray again. Our Father in God, we come to you and we ask that you be our teacher as we study the word 
contained here in your holy word, the message, the wonderful sermon that the Lord Jesus taught to the people. We pray that our hearts, our spirits, our, our minds, our understanding be touched and opened and illuminated by God the Holy Spirit that we might better understand the wonderful privilege yes the wonderful blessing of being your children of knowing you of being loved by you being cared for by you provided for by you Lord, again, we ask for anyone here today who doesn't know you as Savior, that they'll come to know you as Lord and Savior. That they'll discover your love. And for those who are struggling with illness and all of these other different conditions and struggles that are a part of human existence, we pray for your comfort and your touch healing and encouragement and peace. Speak to us now, Lord, out of your holy word and by your holy spirit, we pray in thy name, Lord Jesus, and to thy glory. Amen. So the Sermon on the Mount, tremendous, tremendous sermon. You know, I, I heard once about a, a Scottish man who had, after working hard all day, he'd gone into this little restaurant, and he was so hungry that he attacked that food, and <laughs> he was really having a good time eating that food, you know, and, and uh, he didn't realize, but uh, while he was eating, he splattered some of the gravy onto the wall. And so the owner of the restaurant came by and he, you know, he was more than a little displeased with this particular guest. And he said, you've ruined my wall. We just had that wall painted. He said, well, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And he had this little satchel with him and he, and he pulled out these brushes. And so he began to paint and the, the, uh, the owner of the restaurant said, now what do you think you're doing? He said, just be patient. And he, he painted this beautiful painting. You couldn't tell that the wall had been stained by the gravy when he was through. And I don't recall his name, but he was one of the great artists of Scotland. He had taken a mess and had turned it into something beautiful. And how many of us have made a mess of our lives? And yet, God is able to take our lives and to turn them into something beautiful. I don't know what you've done with your life or what you've experienced in your life, but God does. God does, and God is able to create something beautiful out of every life. And notice it says here in the first verse that 
seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And of course, that's where the, the title comes from, the Sermon on the Mount. And when he was seated, in those days, it was common for a teacher to sit when he would teach. And his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them. We mentioned before that one of the characteristics of the ministry of the Lord Jesus was that he was a teacher. A teacher. He didn't just tell. Now, there are some people who think that, that teaching is just telling. No. No, it's explaining. It's providing, if you will, pun intended, painting pictures, if you will, to illustrate important truths. And so Jesus begins and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now what does this word blessed or blessed actually mean? In its most basic definition, it means happy. But it goes so much farther than that. Fortunate, all of these words here, fortunate, well off. Now, I remember that, you know, when I was a kid, my mom might say, well, those folks are well off. <laughs> and you've probably heard that, that phrase, right? Well off meant they, you know, they, uh, they had some means. Well off, happy, or happier. A state of blessedness or happiness. Sadly, sadly, most people aren't very happy. Whoa. Oh my goodness. What was that, Mike? He's the tech guy, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, you know, so relax. <laughs> Happiness, though. Why is it that so many people are filled with depression? They become disillusioned with life. All of the promises, you know, that are made in the commercials, right? The commercials on TV. You need this product, and this is what this product will do for you. And then even some of those things that you, you hear other people promise. And then those promises are broken. And you become disappointed and disillusioned. Well, Jesus gives us a lesson here, several lessons. Blessed, that is happy, fortunate, well off are those who are poor in spirit. Now the word that's used there in the Greek actually does refer to and can be applied to someone who is destitute, poor. Notice here, distressed, humble, lacks worldly status. Or in other words, they don't have the wherewithal to really change circumstances. Not at a community or at a social or at a, a national or international level, 
but poor in spirit. And the word for, for spirit is the word that we get for breath or wind. And here, you'll notice that it's not capitalized. So we know that it's, it's not referring to God the Holy Spirit, but actually the spirit of, of a human being. And it can refer to one's mental disposition or state of mind, heart, emotion. That part of you that makes you you, where you think. Now, in the mind of the Greek, that's where you think, with the mind. But from the Hebrew perspective, you think in the heart. Jesus put it this way, as a person thinks in his or her heart, so is that person the core of your being. <coughs> this person here that he's describing is one who is humble. Humble. Now there are some other hard attitudes I'm sure that you've run across or maybe have even possessed yourself. Arrogance. Pride. Self-centeredness. Self-reliance. I don't need anyone. Don't tell me what to do. I will do what I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it. But notice the promise that Jesus makes to those who are poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God's presence is promised. We, as Christians, we get to live heaven on earth in this life and then in, in the life to come. We get to experience all that God has designed and prepared for those who love him. And as we've said and as the Bible teaches, it hasn't entered into the mind of a human being the things that God has prepared for those who love him. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or even think. God has things prepared and awaiting us who love him. And we mentioned this uh, Wednesday night. Those who have children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews and others. Isn't it true that you want the best for their lives? You want, them, you want them to have the best of what life offers. You want them to have, to have peace and to have joy and to have love and fulfillment, all of those things in their lives. Isn't that true? You want them for that for them? Well, multiply that by an infinite amount, and that's what God wants for each one of us. And not just us, but that's what he wants for every human Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, God's presence, God's peace, God's provision. But notice that very quickly he gets to an issue that we've all dealt with, a condition. Blessed are those who mourn. We all mourn, do we not? We all know the struggle 
of mourning, the loss of, of someone so close to us. To mourn, the word that, that's used there can be, can be defined in so many different ways. Genuine grief, or to be grieving, to wail. Have you ever wailed? I remember when I was a little boy, it seemed like we were going to a funeral every other week. Somebody in our family was, was passing away, the older generation. My maternal grandmother went to heaven when I was about three years old. So, I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know my grandmother. I really, the only thing that I remember is being there at the funeral and walking, having to walk up to the coffin to say goodbye. And I remember as a little boy, it was scary. It just seemed so scary. But notice, Jesus, he recognizes, he acknowledges that we suffer in this life. And when a person comes to know Christ as Savior, that does not mean that you are not going to ever suffer. Or that you will never suffer a loss. Or that you'll never become ill. That you may never have cancer or catch COVID. Or the deathly flu or some other terminal illness. But there's an another type of mourning here and it's the mourning that expresses sorrow for sin that, that sorrow that comes when you, you know that you really blow he understands he understands and there are too many people who have the wrong image of God and they think that you know, that God wants to rob them of joy in their lives. That God is some angry old man, you know, sitting up there in heaven. And every time you mess up, boom, he wants to, to beat you with a, with a bat. No. 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 He is a loving, caring, forgiving God. A tender father. Notice what he says. They shall be comforted. And that the word that's used there, comforted, consoled, encouraged, and also exhorted, encouraged to persevere, to not give up, but to go on. Forgiven. Forgiven. There upon the cross, Jesus died with his arms wide open. I love you. I love you. And I accept you. I forgive you. And there are so many Christians who go through life beating themselves up. God doesn't want us to beat ourselves up. He understands this, this morning this expression of tremendous sorrow when we've blown it. And everyone experiences some type of grief or sorrow. There's so many different reasons. 
the loss of a job, the breakup of a family, the death of a child. Now we sang that song, It Is Well With My Soul. Very fitting for, for this portion here in this, in this passage. And you know that some of you may know the story, some of you may not have known the story, but Horatio Spafford, he and his wife had four daughters. And they were planning this trip to Europe. But uh, he had to stay back for a while, so his wife and four daughters took passage on a ship bound for England, and that ship was struck somewhere in the Atlantic, and it sank. There were a few survivors. His wife was one of the survivors, and she, she telegrammed him and said, all lost save one. And a few weeks later, when he was traveling to meet his wife, he asked the captain of the ship when they came to that location where the ship had, had gone down if the captain would, would notify him. And so the captain did, and, and Horatio went up onto the deck and prayed and wept, and he mourned for his daughters. And he wrote that hymn, When Peace Like a River. It is well with my soul. We all, we all experience grief and pain and sorrow. That is what sin does in the life of the human race. That is what the devil is up to, to destroy, to deceive, to delude, Ah, but Jesus makes the promise. They shall be comforted. Peace. He promises his peace. Not the kind of peace that the world gives. A lasting peace. A peace that comes because we know that our God is on the throne and that no matter how bleak or how terrible circumstances might become, God is still on the throne. He has always been on the throne, and he will always be on the throne, and there is no other God. And the day is coming when he is going to usher in that eternal kingdom, and we are going to enjoy it together with him and one another forever. Someone has said, if you don't like singing now, and surely you'll like singing then, okay? And maybe then we will all be able to sing like angels, as they would say, okay? God has prepared a tremendous, tremendous blessing for those who love him. Moving on to verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now what does this word meek mean? Quiet. Reverent. Mild gentle, submitted to God's will. Maybe you know some people like that. If you've known Cheryl for a while, you know that she's that way. 
meet. But you know, in the world, well, how do they want you to be? Loud, arrogant, braggadocious, right? We mentioned in, uh, in Sunday school as we were, we were talking. I find it interesting how that some guy who goes to school doesn't do well for whatever reason doesn't doesn't do well in school doesn't even finish high school but he can throw that basketball into that hoop so then they'll give him a scholarship to college even though right, he, he really is not college material intellectually oh but he'll bring the school lots of money because he can play basketball then becomes a millionaire and then all of a sudden, he, he knows all the answers for the world, right? Can barely read, but he, he can tell you how a country ought to be run, because he can throw a ball into a basket, huh? Meek, quiet, reverent. What is that word, reverent? Really, it's referring to a holy respect for God. A holy respect for God and for His Word. A holy respect for life and a recognition of the blessedness and the sanctity of life. The value of life. Examples, Jesus. Of course, Jesus is the greatest example. The Bible says when he, was, when he was insulted, when he was argued with and, and all of that, he didn't respond back the same way. Now, we all have a tendency, I think, if someone gets in our face, we might want to speak harshly back to them. And it's so difficult to, to not do that. And we like to say, well, they deserve it. And some people might deserve it. <laughs> but Jesus didn't do that. And what about Moses? The Bible says that at the time that Moses lived, he was the meekest man on the earth. And then what about David? You say, well, how could David be considered meek? He was a warrior. He was courageous. Yeah, but he was a sinner as well, wasn't he? But when Nathan the prophet came to David and he pointed that long accusing finger and he said, David, you are the man. You are guilty. As king... David could have had him killed. He could have had his head severed from his body. But what did David do? He broke down and he wept. He mourned because he knew he was guilty. He mourned. He was sorry for his sin. And he wrote that song. 
And the Lord blessed David. What about the apostles? The only apostle, the only apostle that we know of, of the, of the original 12, who died a natural death, was John, the beloved aged apostle John. All of the others, even Peter, you know, Peter started out, Peter always felt like that he had to say something. He had to, he had to you know, say something. Peter was crucified upside down. When they took him to crucify him, he said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as my Savior. Crucify me and place me upside down because that's the way that the human race looks at life. The promise, though, the promise for those who have a meek and poor spirit who mourn, the promise is God's provision. For they shall inherit the earth to be an heir, to inherit. It means to, to be an heir, to obtain something by inheritance. We have an inheritance. We are joint heirs, the Bible says, with Christ Jesus our Lord. Or in other words, what he inherits, the kingdom, we inherit together with him because we are joint heirs together with him. Now imagine that. Imagine that. What is his is ours. Not because we deserve it, but because God, by his grace, has given it to us. He's promised. And so as we bring this little lesson to a close here, how do these conditions and promises apply to us today? Well, for a person to come to know Jesus as Savior, they must be willing to admit that they're a sinner. And that requires humility. You cannot know Christ as your Savior without humbling yourself and bowing before the God of heaven. One must be willing to humble themselves and admit that they are a sinner. And then mourning, life is not all fun and games. Oh, we wish that it was all fun and games, huh? Yeah, of course we would rather have an easy time than a difficult time. We'd rather have a happy time as opposed to a, a sad time. Any, any normal human being would rather have that. But you know, there are some people who enjoy being miserable. And they enjoy making other people miserable. They're just downright miserable people. There are some of those, and you may know some of them. Some of them might be in your family. Hopefully none of them are here today. <laughs> but if they are, hopefully, <laughs> They'll be touched by God. Amen? Amen? But the truth is, we've all been miserable from, you know, from time to time. And maybe we've caused others a bit of misery as well. I get a kick out of this when Sharon says, you know, I think I'm really doing something. And she'll say, 
you watched this? <laughs> I said, well, I, I didn't have my glasses on, I guess. You know, and then I met her. Oh, and she'll shake her head and then rewash it. You know? <laughs> Meekness. God is our provider. He promises that he'll meet our needs. Do you believe that? God says that he will meet our needs. But it also requires something on our part. We need to be patient. You know this whole thing about the McDonald's drive through mentality or the Burger King mentality. I want it my way. You know, right? Burger King says, yeah, we'll, we'll prepare it your way. Okay? But God promises his presence, his peace, and his provision. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? We're going to sing a hymn of, of invitation. The invitation is, I surrender all. All to Jesus. I surrender. So what is your all? Your entire life. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if if you've never humbled yourself and acknowledged that you're guilty and ask him to forgive you and come into your life, do that now. And then step out and make it public. There's something about making it public. It settles it in the heart and you you give witness before others but most importantly before God and his holy angels in heaven that you have accepted him as your savior and that you've acknowledged that he died on the cross for you you come as we sing. Let's stand, please. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.